Welcome to Battle Ready Podcast. What you don't know right now is we were playing smooth jazz. Oh my goodness. Why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Aaron McManus, and I am here with my father. I'm Erwin McManus. It's good to be here with you guys. Mm. It is good to be here. I'm excited. We have we, This is a continuation of the last episode. Um, we put out an Instagram giving people the opportunity to ask some questions. And so we're looking through some questions, and we're scrolling, and we're scrolling. It's been fun. And it's been fun. So you ready for some rapid fire? All right, let's go for it. Well, you know... I don't know if the smooth jazz really sets us in the mood, in the right mood for rapid fire. We should have had some. Do you need, do you need some more pump up music? No, no, no. I'm in a groove. I'm <laughs> I, still well, dancing. I think we should have had some Eminem so I could go at no. things more with more hostility. Eminem, <laughs> that's a dark place. Dark place. But I was, what? Anybody back there like Eminem? No? No. No? Okay, sorry. Nicole, Nicole shook her head. Nicole, all no. right. Okay, you ready? <laughs> Are you ready? Okay. I wish we could play the N-E-R-D. Are you ready? <laughs> um, okay. Besides your books, because I've read them all, what leadership book is best that you've read? I think people are trying to phrase things within the, <laughs> the however many characters they can, so their grammar isn't quite right, so I'm reading it a bit different. But you said, I've read all your books. Um, what's, a, what's a great leadership book that you like? Uh, Man's Search for Meaning with, by Viktor Frankl is a really important book. Mm. And... Uh, I, I think any book that teaches you how to think or how to live is a leadership book. Mm. And uh, and that's the one that pops into my mind uh, first. I think a real practical book is an old book by Stephen Covey, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's a mm. book that really had some structural impact on my life early on. Mm. You also like the tipping point, you like all of Gladwell's I, stuff? I think Gladwell does a great job and tipping point's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's not necessarily a leadership book. It's more of like a human understanding. Well, to me, it's 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 it's, anthropology. it's always, again. It's always about leader. anthropology is about leadership because you understand how people move together, how the dynamic of influence, of change, of momentum. Okay, now I have a question. Mm-hmm. Did Ted Cruz run? Yes. You think so? <laughs> you think so? Uh, because I think that everybody was in the wrong place last week. <laughs> AOC was in Texas. Ted Cruz was in Cabo. No, <laughs> was he in Cabo? Cancun. Cancun. I, I wish. I, I wish. I, I wish the whole state of Texas could have run. Could have ran. Definitely. And um, I read an interesting article on on El Paso and kind of why West. But El Paso is in so far west, yeah. it's almost in a different area. But it did get hit by the the cold, and it was on a different electrical grid. Mm-hmm. So it like was able to stay fully functional. We have friends in Houston and friends in San Antonio and friends in Dallas. And yeah, I have a lot of friends in Texas, in and this is a perfect example of where. Uh, ethics and optics are not always the same thing, you, you know, yeah. and uh, you could break things down differently. You know, his, he lives in Washington, doesn't live in Texas. And so you could say, well, well, you know, he represents Texas from Washington. And I don't think a lot of other people who are from Texas necessarily return to Texas from Washington for that purpose. Um, is it ethical to try to take care of your family and get them out of that terrible situation? Of course, are the optics of a representative of a state leaving the state in the middle of a crisis um, the right choice? The answer to me is absolutely not. I mean, it's a terrible decision. And, but, um, you, you know, I, I, uh, I think that that's the greater question for us is what's, what's our response? What are we going to do? Well, you know, are we going to try to help people in Texas? Are you going to do something to try to alleviate suffering from others rather than just simply what Ted Cruz did? Yeah. yeah. 
So my answer is yes. I think it's just a bad moment. Yeah. I think I think when we start, I th- yet again, I think it's like when we're trying to catch each other in bad moments, it just it, that doesn't help anybody. I don't think they gave him as much publicity. I mean, I think they gave him probably a lot more negative publicity than, say, Gavin Newsom when he went to Hawaii. Yeah, when he, well, or and, the fact that he has barely been in California the entirety yeah, of him. And when he went to French COVID. Laundry. I think that, I think that um, if you do that and you're on the left, you get a lot more um, media grace than if you do it on the right. But just don't do it. Just realize if you're going to slip off to Cancun or Cabo, you're going to get caught if you're doing it in the middle of a crisis. Just expect that it's going to happen. Well, the funny thing is, is that like a lot of these people are flying private and he obviously didn't fly private and that might have been his mistake. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm going, what are you doing, man? How are you? But was it John Kerry who flew to Iceland to receive an award for environmentalism? Yeah. And, uh, but he flew his private plane. Like there was almost no media coverage of that. You had to be in the, like the underground media to pick that up. First results on Google are from Fox News. Yeah. Fox News is going to pick that up. Right. But, but CNN is not going to pick that up. MSNBC is not going to pick that up. The mainstream media is not going to pick up the John Kerry who's leading the way in the environmental, you know, battle is flying his private plane, destroying, you know, the, the, the ratio of carbon uh, imprint for an individual. And yet again, it's the tall poppy thing. If like, if we're suffering, we need to all suffer. Does it help? No. Mm-hmm. But is he the governor of Texas? No, he's a senator. It's a different yeah. role. I'm not defending yeah. him. Bad look. You need to be go. You, you need to be in your state. You have a bad team. Yeah, you need, you to, need be to be there. in your state. Yeah. Or, or if you're not yeah. in your state, at least yeah. be trying to get to your yeah. state. But I, I have to go back to this because I thought it was interesting. In the response to John Kerry, John Kerry said, hey, look, it's not practical for me to take a boat. People like me. That's what he said. People like me, it's not practical for me to take a boat. And I'm like, okay, what about flying uh Commercial. It didn't even occur to him that he could be on a commercial airline. And I'm not even saying flying coach or economy. I'm talking about uh, John Kerry could fly first class on a commercial airline and dramatically affect his his carbon imprint than flying a private plane. But the option isn't private or a rowboat. And uh, you know, Ted Cruz, the the options are not you know um, not protecting your family or or Cabo. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it so hard to let go of grudges? I think it's because um, pain makes us feel weak and anger and bitterness feigns as strength. Mm. And so we feel strong when we're bitter and angry. We feel weak when we're hurt and, and we're betrayed. So I think that bitterness and unforgiveness Fain as strength. How do you live a peaceful life in a toxic home? Oh, that's so hard. And I'm so sorry. And what I would do is do everything you can if if you're just living there and it um I think it's someone who's younger. Yeah. To work and get a job so you can move. I made a decision to move to my independence as quickly as possible. And that's what I would encourage you to do is uh, to move toward personal independence as quickly as possible. Does a person's lack of true hardships limit one's greatness or ability to achieve greatness? I think it's the other way around. Um, it's not that the lack of hardships limits greatness. Yeah. The pursuit of greatness guarantees hardships. Mm-hmm. So if you're not experiencing a lot of hardships, you're probably not really pursuing your true greatness. Okay, so what if you if you grew up in more of a 
cushy life. Yeah, well-off life, and it's nothing wrong with that. I think mm-hmm. I think we live in a society though. If you grew up well-off, you either stay in your well-off state mm-hmm. in that kind of bubble, mm-hmm. and if you don't, you feel bad for being wealthy. Because I think middle lower class has like a ton of shame, like shaming the upper class for being wealthy. So if you're a kid that is a product of that state status mm-hmm. economically, how do you pursue greatness and not feel and held back by your situation and your the blessing that yeah. you live in? I think the reality is that every kid faces challenges, whether you're you're rich or poor, whether you come from uh, a highly affluent family or an impoverished family, and every every kid uh, has a potential experience, incredible warmth and love. Like. Um, being poor doesn't mean that you grew up with a poverty of love or acceptance or affirmation. You can have incredible family and, yeah. and incredible support. So, and sometimes that kid who grows up rich doesn't have that support. You think, oh, he has everything. You know, he has a family with money. They have cars. They have a boat. They have whatever. But there may be no affirmation, no love, no warmth. There may be no time that yeah. kid may grow up with such a deficit that you can't see. Yeah. So let's just assume that everyone has to grow up fighting their own like battles and challenges and and uh, and give each other a break. I think that's the reality though is yeah. that like I think oftentimes when we don't have money we think that money will is the answer. Yeah. And I know that there's been moments where we've had everything, there's moments where we had nothing and the moments where we had nothing oftentimes were more enjoyable than the times where we had everything. Yeah. Everything is much harder to manage. <laughs> Yeah, you know and, I mean? you know, I look back and some of my greatest memories are in El Salvador with my, you know, uh, with my grandmom and and uh, my papi and mommy. And um, there's there's no mind, there's no world where they were affluent. Um, but we just, when we walked over and had pupusas on the street, it was like one of the greatest memories I ever had in my life, you know. And and uh, and as a child, love gives you your best memories. It's mm-hmm. not wealth. It's no. not money. It's not no. stuff. It's really the relationships that you're given as a gift. Uh, someone asked you, what's the biggest lesson your dad has taught you? Mm. What is the biggest lesson your dad has taught you? The value for kindness and generosity. Something. Mm. There's lessons I'm still learning. I'm probably level one. <laughs> but I could get to level two, three, four, five. I love that, though. I think I didn't see the value in it. Now I definitely understand the value of kindness and empathy and generosity and and. Yeah, I, I love that. So good. Um, Thank you. Why don't you ever talk about your adopted sister, me? Love and support you. <laughs> oh, I just think mostly she's she she chose a civilian lifestyle. She chose a private life. She's yeah. a teacher. She's awesome. She's married, two kids. Yeah, they chose a very private life, and it isn't appropriate for us to make their life public. Yeah, we love her. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Patty. Shout out Steve. We love them, but we can do it privately. We don't have to do it publicly. <laughs> yeah, just because we don't talk about it with you doesn't mean we don't talk about it. <laughs> we see her all the time. Um, oh, I, I, I only saw one, okay. and it, it, she was a follow-up from, um, from December. In December, she said, why is your line so expensive. It's hard for the average person to afford it. And she just sent a new one today. Why is your clothing brand so pricey? So at least Alicia is being consistent in her, <laughs> her questions. And, and so I, I want to answer this. I won't even be snarky. Okay. And um, But the, I have a universe of thought in that. But one of the reasons my line is so pricey is that my pr- line is very expensive to make. Yeah. And, and so I'm not... Um, I'm not 
picking up $5 shirts off the shelf and adding McManus on it. We're working really hard to create really unique pieces and it's more costly. Yeah. And so I've already spent an immense amount of money just to get things going, just to get things started. Just the process costs me, cost me thousands and tens of thousands of dollars that I may never make back if the product doesn't do well. True. And, and so it's pricey because it is expensive. But I also, I made a conscious decision. I did not want to compete with awesome church merch. Like you're wearing church merch. Uh, you don't call it that. No, because I think it's stupid. That okay. Name. But I, but not because you say it, but just because people say it. No, it's something we made. It's we beautiful. Painted it. It's really good. It's home team. It's Mosaic Studios. Yeah. And it's still not cheap. No, no, that's we, pretty. It's, we don't make we don't make the prof we don't make like a, a proper profit margin on it. We usually sell it at like a reduced rate just to get people right in because it. it's really just about you know people um, accessing it. And yeah, it's still expensive providing for yeah. people, but it's expensive stuff that we should sell for more, but we don't. Yeah, and but at the same time, um, it's not in the price point where my brand is. No, and and so I made a decision. I wanted to make aspirational, high end luxury fashion. And those, that's the space I'm going to um, live in and says it's not accessible to the average person. I didn't want to make it accessible to the average person in that sense. You know, I, I'm not trying to... Well, the average person wouldn't wear it just because it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not basics. It's very different. There are some basics, but like it's, it's really different. So I think it, it, that's the unique thing about it. Um, but the great thing about it is you can know I'm not actually trying to make money on my, like what we'd call my normal fan base. I have so many people who I love and they're loyal and they buy my books and they listen to Mosaic. So if I was just trying to make money, I would make something everybody could buy. I'm not trying to just make money. I'm actually trying to create an aesthetic that I think is beautiful and timeless and it's more art for me. Yeah, and I think it's – it's yeah, yeah, I can go deeper. But we've talked yeah. about this before in the past. How did you both learn to, how to communicate? Well, why don't you go first? No, I, uh, well – Okay. Mine would be more tangible because I'm not quite a great communicator, but I'm learning it in the process. Mm-hmm. Doing things like this helps mm-hmm. twice a week and then doing the Hillsong show. Also, there was a season where I was speaking in Venice every week. Mm-hmm. So I think that just the just just preparing and the prep and understanding how to do it and how you approach it and and how to take notes and what notes you speak off of and how do you, you know, it, you can ask, like, I think it's one of the most common questions you get is, how did you become like this? Yeah. And the thing, you're not the greatest at answering it <laughs> because I don't think it's an answer. People want a three-step approach. Yours is yeah. really simple. Do it and do it often. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that one of the things you did is you listened a lot. I mean, you would listen to my and messages. Every, your messages five times a Sunday. And, so you, and and would be like picking different things from each different one. Yeah, and so you really disciplined yourself to to listen and learn from other people, not just me. Yeah, yeah. And and but mostly me, you know, because yeah. that's the world you were in. Yeah, but also I think, and it was a great world. But I also think that um, people can get really bored really easily. Mm-hmm. So when something we tell our team, or I tell the team, is you can start sitting at his services when you can do what he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like I, like I know, I know when I know when I won't call on someone to to communicate, 
is when I don't see like the eagerness to learn. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, I can watch a talk five times. Mm-hmm. The first time I'm learning, I'm just trying to connect spiritually. Right. The second time I'm looking at style. Mm-hmm. Third time I'd be looking at content. The fourth time I'd be looking at how you rearrange the content. Mm-hmm. The fifth time I'd be looking at just how are people reacting to the jokes? How did you tell that same story five times? And so make it feel fresh. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I'm looking yeah. at different things so I like hearing a speaker speak the same message more than I like hearing them speak a new message. So ironically, you might be better at teaching communication than I am <laughs> because of the way that you've studied the communication process. Yeah, I, but one thing you taught me is like, yeah, I remember you used to tell me like, watch comedians, watch mm-hmm. watch any type of com- Communic- communicator. Yeah. Is it if it's late night television show, mm-hmm. you know, because I think. And one person that really helped was you showed me a show called, uh, what is it, The Marvelous Miss Maisel? Yeah, and that that was the show that switched it for me. Mm. I was studying comedians. I was studying like just for timing and timing and and building and how do you build like the ethos, the gravitas, mm-hmm. the like the storyline. And mm. honestly, preachers are, are are some of sometimes preachers are boring to me, mm-hmm. even when like the dynamic ones because mm-hmm. they use the same structure every time. Mm-hmm. Where, like like Gilmore Girls and. Or the same writer yeah. as the fi- fine, or was the marvelous Miss Maisel. The way she communicates, where she's, it's effortless. Mm-hmm. She walks into the moment and she uses everything in her day. So I did a thing where I was like, here's my verse, and I'm only gonna like I would go up there with no stories, mm-hmm. no stories, just like concept, like story or like verse and what I wanted to say. But I would let everything else just be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was trash a few times for sure, but but it was more helpful because I was using what was in the room, mm-hmm. and so you would always get on me being like you're too distracted. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I can either like get mad at the distractions or use the distractions. Yes, that's right. In and pull it into like what I'm doing. Yes, and so I I'm not saying I did it well, but but I, I definitely grew, and that was some things that I learned how to like roll with it. Stop letting like we were in Venice and there's so much noise all the time. Mm-hmm. Because there's people literally sitting on the stage with me. So you had no, no, you know, you're in Hollywood Boulevard yeah. in La Brea. There are yeah. crazy people yeah. everywhere in this situation. You can hear the ambulances. You can hear the helicopters. Mm-hmm. You can hear, you know. I had a, a guy jump on stage and do a split. I think I, <laughs> I, I tackled a guy off stage one time. Like the, there was some, bis, there, you know, there's bizarre stuff. We've seen yeah. people pull guns out and knives mm-hmm. out and like we've, we've been in it all. I was in, I was, I went up, I almost got in a fist fight. Do you remember that time? <laughs> I, we did a battle ready on it a couple weeks ago, but we almost got one of our, a lady tried to like knock out one of our volunteers yeah. and then we go outside and then there's a big fight and then I'm in the middle of it and then I had to go speak. So you, how do you speak when your heart's like <laughs> pounding out of your chest? And so I just used the story. Yeah. Like there is my intro. Yeah. Let life, <laughs> let life produce the content. I mean, real life is the most interesting material in the world. Yes. You, you know, the and- worst thing ever you can do is tell a preacher's tale. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting because I, I mean, I look back, I, and I was not, um, I was not like natural material f- to be identified as a communicator. You know, I was super introverted, super shy, very quiet, and and when my brother responded to a sense of calling to be in ministry, people that said yes, we could see that the gifting was there. When I did, I literally had. My mom said to me, what in the world is God going to do with you? Like, you know, just, and it was an honest assessment of what I'd demonstrated in my life. And and so I wasn't being p- 
picked. Like no one said, oh, you're going to be a great preacher. You're going to yeah. be a communicator. And, um, and so there's a sense where my development happened outside of the stream. Yeah. I wasn't on stages. I wasn't invited to speak at church. I wasn't groomed. Nobody was grooming me as a speaker. Right. But what I did do is I, I at that time I was a musician and I would take my guitar and walk into restaurants and and offer to do concerts and I would sing in restaurants and I'd go to the Mardi Gras and sing on street corners. And, and so I learned um, the dynamic of the spontaneity of performance. And then I would talk after I'd play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I only played in a sense to be able to have a conversation with people. And so I began learning how to communicate on the streets. I was speaking at festivals and 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 you know and among the homeless and middle of of um, government projects so I was learning how to speak in really intense um, volatile unpredictable environments so my speaking style did not develop Shifted. in the uh, safe space of the church yes every every laugh you earned every yeah. like aha moment you had to fight for. You're fighting uphill. Yeah, and I'm 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 talking to the crazy guy sitting there yelling at me while I'm speaking. I'm 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 talking to the 18 wheeler that goes by and the plane that flies over, and so I'm actually bringing everything into my message yeah. that's going on all around me. Yeah, and um, and that's kind of like how I developed a lot of my style and approach. Yeah, I think a lot of it too is like if you're the hero in every one of your stories, mm -hmm. it it gets boring really fast. Yeah. And the other thing of like just doing it frequently, it's like, like I learned here in Hollywood, and ev almost every time someone would come up, some some, so like and I'm not trying to be mean, but like a kid who like was trying to be an actor who went to acting class, would come up and try to give advice. Always trying always. to help you get better. Always trying to get, help me get better. <laughs> and then it, it wasn't until it wasn't until um, the kid from Two and a Half Men mm. came up to me. Sweet, sweet guy, Angus, came up to me and he had a big beard. He had like a ton of jackets on. He looked like a big mountain guy. And now I laugh because, you know, we know him. But but he came up and was like, hey, that was really great. Like, thank you so much. And I and pretty much when anyone gave me a compliment that felt somewhat sincere, I knew they were just blank. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Because I wasn't good. I wasn't good for a long time. And I'm not saying that I'm good now, but I'm better than I was. And... I just remember, and then when I figured out who it was, because one of the guys rolled over to me, he was like, that's the kid from Two and a Half Men, like <laughs> one of the most successful child actors that's ever, like highest paid that's ever yeah. left. And I remember thinking like, oh, someone who, he saw what I was trying to do, he saw what I was pursuing, and there was a kindness in his, he decided to elevate me through kindness. Because I didn't give up, that was one month into it. That's awesome. So it's like six years later, I'm like, you can always find something good, you know? Yeah. I think that's a challenge is in that- people that I learned how to communicate in a, a world where no one was filming my messages. There's no, re there's no record of my development. They, you know, most of my stuff was very spontaneous and, um, and off the cuff. And I was able to develop my craft over years without massive criticism and critique. Right. You're in a generation where like instantly everyone has an opinion and you're supposed to be perfect from day one. Yeah. And you're supposed to be polished and groomed. And I think one of the things I like about Mosaic is that we basically say, look, a part of a mature community is you can learn from anyone and you just got to let our people learn how to get better and better and better. Yeah.
That's why I don't put anything on the internet. Like, this is the mm. only thing we do that's on the internet. Like, I have one message that's on mm. the internet. Like, I don't let anyone post my stuff because I also, not because I don't want people to see the growth, but I think there's also something about art, right? Like, I don't really resonate with the term pastor because I, I'm like, okay, my life was messy before and there's been messy moments since and I'm like, this is an autopsy. So I'm like <laughs> the dead body that talks. I can see dead people. <laughs> and, I, and I think... And I just want people to learn from my mistakes and find a better path. And and if people try to cancel me along the way, I just want to be really open and honest about like, mm-hmm. hey, these are things I've struggled with. These are things I'm, I've always been struggling with. And so people who have journeyed with me know now he doesn't claim to be perfect. Anything he's like is awkwardly open about <laughs> issues. And so I don't put anything online except for bad already, because I know that you know in ten years time it'll be a more mature conversation I'm having. Yeah. But currently it's a lot of digging myself out of my own dirt and like f- trying to become a better person and trying to build into the church and then also become better every day, you know? And mm-hmm. so my, my, my biggest advice would be if you're like, I think a lot of young, there was a season where a lot of young guys just wanted podcasts and to put it on yeah. YouTube. And it's like 15 second clips of myself preaching, not me, but other people. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, don't, don't <laughs> like, don't. And I know that you shouldn't, but don't yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. then it's like, not that you can't get better, but I'm like, do it, like, put the reps in before you put yourself on blast. Mm-hmm. You know, because I sometimes I'm like rolling my eyes. I'm like, guys, like, just like, 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 let there be something to search for. Yeah, I, I do feel like we live in a moment where, you, where young communicators or young preachers or it's almost like more important to develop your speaking style than it is to actually have something to say. Yeah, and, I and think, it can change. Yeah, and no, it can't. And I just think that you need to take more time on having something to say than having people hear you say something. Like I wish, like someone that comes to mind is is this guy. I, I say kid because I refer to everyone as kid. I refer to me as kid, but he's a young guy who helps with our youth team. I don't even know if you've met him. Is Devante? His 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 Instagram is Dwet. <laughs> <laughs> But he's just funny. Like, he's super intelligent. He's just funny. I think he's a pastor's kid. I think he's a pastor's kid. I think he sent me one of his dad's sermons. But he's he's moved in from Florida during I think during the pandemic, and he he's he's like been he's you know he's been around church because he's come to conference. I think he's come to conferences or visit his friends that are here. But he helps with the youth. And I happened to like Matt sent me a video of him hosting one of the youth Zoom games. I mean, this he's. He's hilarious. <laughs> and I'm like, but he's not blasting church stuff on his Instagram. He's just being funny. He's just refining. I don't know what he wants to do ultimately. I don't. He, I think he's like an accountant or something. Like, he like, does something different. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, he's just, I think that's the smartest way. It's like, learn how to like, like refine your humor. Mm-hmm. Refine asking questions. Refine, you know what I mean? Like having conversations before you start trying to like, no one needs more street preachers. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't yeah. feel like we do. But I'm also we're in a city with some street preachers that yeah. are crazy. I just think you need to work on having a unique perspective on life. Yeah, that's the best approach to communication for me. You know, one thing I've always wanted to do, and it's on my list of things I would have loved to do and I should do, is I was like, it would be so cool to have a podcast where it's just lunch conversations, where you just like take a new person to lunch, and that you just post like, what do you talk about in the 15 minutes? Mm. It's like very voyeuristic. But also, like, really kind of could be, like, lovely, like, what, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. 
Just like conversations, like natural conversations and like sitting in on those. Yeah. I don't know. But ironically, I love teaching communication. You do. And you're actually, you're, you're really good. But I don't think people believe you. You're like, no, nah, I just did. I, I just kept going for mm -hmm. 25 years and kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing mm -hmm. it, kept getting back up, kept doing it. Yeah. And people don't like that answer. They want the magic sauce. Yeah. You know. What's the next question? What's the biggest lie people believe about leadership? I think maybe being in leadership is what he's asking. That it's fun all the time. That's the first thing I was thinking too. I think people like I think people go like leadership, your authority, your power, ego, narcissist. Yeah. Nah, it's just I chose to decide I decided to clean the bathrooms before and after. And then they gave me this. <laughs> and I Yeah, I think, I think one, one of the biggest lies of, of leadership is that um great leaders lead for their own ego. I mean, great leaders lead for the good of people. Yeah. And if you're not willing to put others above yourself, you probably shouldn't be leading. Yeah. I think also, do you guys have any questions? Because I'm kind of over these questions. But a lot of them are like si like um, similar. I have a question. Yeah. Um, Pastor Irwin, yes. um, the last aired podcast with Pastor Lawrence, you mentioned briefly um, that when you were pastoring a church, that maybe you were one of the people who should have been out in the real world inviting friends, inviting the people you know and worked with. So I wondered if you could tell us the difference between church and the real world. <laughs> no, what I was actually saying was that um, I was better bringing my friends. The, the better way to use me as a church is to, is to let me bring my friends and, and to necessarily maybe ask me to stack chairs. And uh, although I would have brought my friends to stack chairs, I'm, I'll give you a perfect example of this. I was in college. I'd only been a Christian a few minutes. And, uh, and the little church in the country that I went to saw me bringing college students. So you know what they did? They gave me the church van. And uh, <laughs> here I am. I'm just an attender. I'm not even a leader. Like, I've just been there a couple of minutes, and they saw me bringing people. So instead of saying, hey, would you come polish the pews, because it was a church with pews, and or, or would you come to this or that, they just said, can we give you the church van? Would that make it easier for you to bring your friends? And I said, you give me that van, I'll pack that van out every single week. And I, I started that That's little cool. country church university ministry. And <laughs> Where was this? This was at Chapel Hill, no University of North awesome. Carolina. And so that little country church became one of the Cha Chapel Hill University student epicenters. That's cool. And, and so they wisely kept me in my world. So maybe when I say the real world, I mean my real world, you know, because there isn't a the real world. There's lots of worlds out there that we all have. And yeah. they allowed me to be in the world of all of the people I was connected to. And, and that's how I was able to engage them and get them involved in church. I like that. Because I think, I think people, when it's like serving church, it's like mm -hmm. there's only, you got to be stacking chairs or cleaning bathrooms or X, Y, Z. I'm like, no, no, I needed friends. So I was happy to like <laughs> stack chairs. Like I just wanted to meet people. I was new to a city when I was in New York. Mm -hmm. And then being in LA, it's like, I mean, that was different. We all stacked chairs. You kind of had a community mm -hmm. of everyone served. Everyone pitched in to certain degrees and what you did. But I'm like, I think one quickly thing, one thing that we learned quickly in Venice was the people who are naturally gifted at inviting their friends, you don't need them 
like they'll do something little they'll like they'll help mm-hmm. but their big contribution is that they're sh- they're like they're sharing their relationships they're they're using the relationships and that's a huge thing to be trusted you know mm-hmm. and they're open with it they're bringing them and then introduce i'm just my only thing was like hey let me meet them afterwards yeah i come t- bring them over and say hi and then we can connect and yeah I, I, another example i think of is that um like the one church i i went to when i was younger uh, i was 20 when i came to faith so i was in my 20s um you know, they did things like Sunday school. I mean, very traditional. Like people had to come to the building. Yeah. And um, I identified 12 guys that were seniors in high school that were going to make a big impact. In fact, they all have in the world. And But they were all working like full-time jobs and going to high school full-time and were, you know, um, packed. So I would meet with them every Friday night at two to three in the morning. And ironically, the church that I went to gave me a key to their little storefront so that I could have it to meet with them at three in the morning. It was the only time I'd get all 12 guys in the room at the same time. That's cool. And that's, I discipled those guys, met with them for several hours that Friday night morning and, um, and poured into their lives. And that church was adaptive enough even though they had choir robes so like that's why you know but they they had a a a relational intelligence they saw that i had this ability to pull these young leaders together and i created that discipleship space when no one else would show up yeah it's cool yeah it's really cool and and i think but they saw it yeah they saw it and And i i was the beneficiary of of a person here and there who just let me create in an odd and unexpected why. And I think there's something about that because I did this, um, I I did a conf- like a conference conversation interview thing with my friend Billy in in Adelaide, and and it was funny because he's in Australia, so I'm here. So I left the office, forgot my computer, and I had to drive back, let myself thank God I have the that can turn the alarm off on my phone now that I have that set up. So I come back in here, set set the computer up, and we talked for like. 8.30 p.m. Friday night to like 10.30 p.m. And one of the questions he asked is like, he's like, we're doing like a little creative conference, but he's like, there's tons of different churches. And he's like, what do you say to like the the, the church that's in the farmlands that is like, I'm never having smoke in our campus. And I was like, smoke isn't cool. Like rock concerts are cool. It isn't the smoke that makes it cool. That was cool. But like I'm over rock concert. Like yeah. I'm, I'm always like on to a new thing or a new mm-hmm. path. So I'm like, if you're a farmer and you can... Like find, I was like, if you if you have a deficiency or a weakness, and maybe a weakness is just you don't have a certain demographic. Mm-hmm. Find one person and give them the keys to something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Help them develop. Like give them freedom and empower them. Like yeah. you're you're a farm church. Go outside. I'd rather do church. I'd rather see the stars. I haven't seen the stars in so long. I live in L.A. Yeah. But and even a more recent like example to me is again starting starting the fashion company. Mm-hmm. We go to New York. We spent a few days there, you know, working on designs and working on some patterns. And and so our friend Arturo takes us to meet fabrics people and shoe people and, you know, the, all the stuff you, you do if you're trying to build out kind of a collection. So we go meet with this guy um, who runs oh, his, his name. the shoe company. And where That's, they, he was a wild stallion. All right, so he's right in the middle of Manhattan, right? Or Yeah, he was in the fashion district. And, yeah. and, and you know, every... Word was every other word was the F word, and then every other word was the S word, and so he just had two words, right? You know, <laughs> and uh, and he just went on, and he was, I mean, he he was on 
something, <laughs> right? And yeah, uh, there was, was something going on. And and talk fast, just like on phones, interrupting all the time. Couldn't stay focused. <laughs> and there we are in this meeting. You know, and at any point we probably should have tapped out, right? And I was just waiting for the permission, the look. You'll give me a look, <laughs> and you're like, I'm done. You can deal with this. And we were almost there. And then but it, we were good people that day. And so over an hour later, maybe an hour and a half later. It was the longest. We were there probably for an hour and a half, and we only talked for 15 minutes. Yeah. Like direct talk. But, but he then, was sitting in front of us the whole time. I don't know what he was doing the yeah, whole time. Yeah, and then suddenly, you know, he's like um, asking like, hey, do you, do you ever do like any talks? Yeah. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I talk, you know, like even like across the world. And he goes, oh, like, could I ever like listen to one of your talks, you know? He, and, it was like, it was more abrasive. It was like, yeah. okay, so tell me about this. No, 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 tell me about this. Tell me what you're doing. Which also, by the way, we're going to be kind because, well, we're always kind, but we're going to be kind to, because um, the the girl in yeah, the room that right. was like working for him, she follows bad already now. And she was like so. She she, she like was did, the, she was the mediator. She was the better sales pitch. She was she selling was like, that. Let company me tell you so why well. he's legit. <laughs> and he was just like, but oh, hold on, hold on. Can you wait outside for five minutes? Oh, wait, right. what are you doing? Oh, wait. I was like, he's an author. Okay, where can I get your books? Who who publishes it? Are you famous? What kind of famous? And, oh, what? But then suddenly, like, and and, and uh, it was a, and it was she, a show. Yeah, and and she kept trying to interpret him and help us through the process and give us a tour. And you would think she owned the company, honestly. Right? And I, <laughs> you know, at one you know? point, I said, "You should do this for him because <laughs> he he's awesome, but he's not good at this part." But then, but then he looks at me and he goes, "Hey, can I ask you a question?" I go, "Yeah, yeah." And he goes, uh, "Have you like have you like found the meaning of life or something or something?" <laughs> but he said it in a way where I'm like, "Oh, this is gonna be bad." Like I thought it was a joke. But he was dead serious. Yeah, at first I thought he was being snarky, and then I realized, oh, he's like looking at me, and he goes, "Cause it's it feels like it feels like you found the meaning of life, cause you, you it's like you have this peace, like that it feels I like it, you found peace. Yeah, and you he found goes, peace. I and, want and, that, and I I need that. I want that in my life. And like uh, I haven't talked about God. Yeah, I haven't talked like, about Jesus. I haven't <laughs> talked about anything spiritual. I'm talking about yeah. shoes, right? You know, about maybe making some shoes for my collection. And he, <laughs> and, and when you, we told him about Mosaic and he was like, he was like trying to comprehend it, right? Yeah. He was like, okay, no, sh <laughs> no, no, like you were like, you were, we're all Christians yeah. and we had faith and Arturo is a believer too. So we're like, we're all sitting there and Arturo's eyes are wide open. He's yeah. like the kindest person and I'm the abrasive one, but I, <laughs> it, until this moment I've been kind. So I'm like, and then at one Keep going. No, keep going. No, no, go ahead. No, no, no. It was just what I actually but, like. To me, the moment he goes, "Have you like found the meaning of life?" Yeah, or something. And I said, "Yes, I have." Yeah, and you could just feel like the whole essence of the room changed. And then he looked at me, goes, and he didn't even question it. He believed I had. And he goes, "So is yeah. it? Is it?" The same for everyone. <laughs> wait, wait, he, wait, he was like more. Yeah. He was like, so it's all things. All you believe all no, things. No, no. All things lead. To, all, all things go lead to the same place. And no, he, he said. He goes, is it the same for everyone, or or is it, or is it different for each person? No, but he said you believe all things lead. All roads. Lead, everything's yeah. good. All religions good. You got to find your thing. You got to find your thing. Yeah, and I said no. You said you said no. You said it's good to find a thing, but no, not all things are the yeah. same. And he goes, well, how did you find the meaning of life? And so I get to tell him how I had yeah. a life changing encounter with Jesus, how it changed everything for me. Yeah. And uh, and then he said, you know, is that meaning of life is it the same for everyone or is it different for each one of us? And and and, and it was we're a having, beautiful moment. And we're chaos. having to have this conversation. And I, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, this is why I love starting Companies. businesses. This is why I love doing 
other things. Like I love being in the fashion industry and the film industry. And I love being in other like disciplines and domains because if I just work as a quote pastor at a church, I could easily just surround myself with Christians and, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, and people who are actually like low maintenance, high emotional intelligence, you it's know, believers. It's easy to and, like incubate yourself. Or insulate yourself. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Incubate, insulate. Insulate and incubate. <laughs> to insulate yourself. And, and yet in that moment, that's the moment where I felt fully alive. It was cool. And he was yeah. cool. Yeah. And I came back telling my wife, Kim, and they were going, that was like but the whole, worth the whole trip. It was interesting. Oh. Wait, what? Go. Then at the end, he said. Well, he was like, if you could write a book about how to quit smoking, um, <laughs> I'll buy that one for sure. And then I said, well, I was like, you helped me stop smoking when I was young and dumb and smoking. And he was like, no, how'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> and and then and then it was like it was really beautiful because yeah. it felt like we had broken through. We figured out who each person was. Yeah. And then it became more of a familial conversation of like trust. And I thought it was so awesome. Here's a guy who. Well, you told him something. You gave him an answer. Yeah, I did. But he also said, "Hey, you need to start a mosaic in New York." He said. He, he said, "If you start a mosaic in New York, I'm there. I'm in. I'm in." And I thought this is what I love about a mosaic. Yeah. But this is what. Um, one, I, what I love about life, I love meeting interesting, unique, unexpected people who do not yet know God, do not yet know yeah. Jesus. And yet, like the frequency in which we are able to talk about Jesus and, and, and spirituality and faith resonates with people like him and it's so really, many other people. And I did really tell him, I said, hey, I, I know why you smoke. And he yeah. goes, why? Because I can't quit. And I said, well, because you feel that life is out of your control. And, and the one thing you can control, he goes, that's right, I can control this. And I said, that's right. And But you need to realize that that cigarette gives you a false sense that you're controlling your life. Uh, I, I think we, yeah. I want to end it there. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Can we end it there? I think it's a good place. Do you have any closing? closing you need thoughts? to close it out though. No, no, no. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Bad Ready Podcast. If you feel like you're out of control, you can get control. Oh, wait. You have to give up control. Ah. Uh, and that's where Jesus comes in. Okay, thank you for listening. Check out the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. You can rate and review it on iTunes. It really means a lot when you rate and review it. And when you, and share, you share it. with a friend. Yeah, yeah. And when you follow us on Instagram, Bad Ready Podcast. And when you comment, we have some merch. We're going to add some more merch. Awesome. Bye, guys. All right, take care. Bye.